If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, believe it or not, we are days away from the 2021 Royal Rumble pay-per-view. The Undertaker set the world on fire. Lots of controversy coming from his podcast with Joe Rogan. The mysterious hot dog from Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network joins us. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. It's Royal Rumble week, whether it feels like it or not. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Yeah, I called Hot Dog Mysterious in the cold open there, but that was just to to add some prestige. You know, sometimes you got to add a descriptive if, you know, maybe it's not uh, a headline act. But still, Hot Dog's going to be great. We're going to have a lot to discuss with him. Of course, the season finale of Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network happens on Thursday. It'll air Thursday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, free version of the WWE Network, jumbo-sized episode. But this week on the WWE Network, Thursday, if you haven't seen the show yet, you still got plenty of time. It was uh, basically my love letter to the Royal Rumble match. Not even the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, but the Royal Rumble match itself. Uh, We did a lot on the show. I advocated for the 1999 Royal Rumble, which is very, very controversial. Some people just can't stand it, but... I think I put up a pretty compelling argument. Uh, Talked about some underrated Royal Rumble matches. You know, of course, 92 Royal Rumble came up in conversation because how can you talk about the Royal Rumble without bringing up 1992? But by the way, 10 years later, 2002 was also absolutely fire. And one of my favorite things I did, I rebooked 2011 and said, what would have happened? You know, in 2011, Santino showed up. We thought the match was over. We thought Alberto Del Rio had won. And Santino showed up in the ring without Alberto knowing. And there was a reaction from the audience like, oh my God, are we about to see Santino, Marella, win the Royal Rumble? And there was this feeling that people actually wanted him to. And so I said, what if that had actually happened? You know, in 2011, Alberto Del Rio would go on to WrestleMania to face Edge. And really, that would be the opening match of WrestleMania. He would not win the title and Edge would end up retiring like a week later anyway. We didn't know that at the time, but even the fact that he didn't win the title and it was the opening match of that year's WrestleMania, it's almost like if we had if there is a Royal Rumble historically to change that's going to have as little impact as possible on history, that would probably be the one. And so I went through changing 
in 2011, basically from the end of the Royal Rumble until WrestleMania, changing everything I needed to change so that history wouldn't be too terribly disrupted and Santino could get a uh, championship match at WrestleMania. So check that out if you haven't yet. I thought it was pretty interesting, but it is, it doesn't feel like it's Royal Rumble week. I love the Royal Rumble. I got the Royal Rumble 88 playing right now. I just watched Dino Bravo uh, set the bench press record, although there was controversy. Vince McMahon didn't think that... Uh, Vince McMahon thought Jesse Ventura was doing more to help Dino Bravo than just spotting him. But this 1988 Royal Rumble, it's amazing. Like, Bret Hart is one of the first two guys in there. Harley Race just came out. Like, 1988, it, they're just kind of getting in. You know, WrestleMania three is almost the cutoff point, but this Royal Rumble 1988, they're just getting out of the old days of wrestling and into the entertainment days of what the WWE, WWF would become. So it really is. I mean, just seeing Harley race in a Royal Rumble match, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put that together, but it's super interesting to see. Um, but who knows? I mean, that's the thing about the Royal Rumble is that now I, the great Kabuki was in a Royal Rumble. Did you know that? The great Kabuki one year for the, a legend of world-class championship wrestling was an entrant in the WWE Royal Rumble. Mil Mascaras was an entrant in the Royal Rumble. Piroth was an entrant. Bob Backlund has been a surprise entrant so many times. Roddy Piper and Superfly Jimmy Snuka. I mean, so many surprise entrants. I, I, I would imagine that that's not going to change this year. I feel like... You know, every like 99, for example, had basically no surprise entrance. But I definitely feel like this is a year where, and part of it is, oh, I thought, uh, I thought Jim Brunzel just slipped on his way in, but I don't think he did. Part of it is because there's no audience, so they want to keep, I, I, I think that they're, they're going to play off of surprises this year. My prediction is that you are going to see some pretty, substantial surprise entrance in the Royal Rumble. And I wouldn't, quite frankly, be surprised if a surprise entrant won the whole thing. Um, so far for the Royal Rumble, and I'll be doing a bunch of stuff for the Royal Rumble. I think I'll be doing the bump on Wednesday, and I think I'll be doing stuff for Watch Along. And, of course, on Patreon, uh, we'll be doing a Royal Rumble uh, pre-show for the Hall of Fame and Superstar level not Sam Shells at patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling. You guys will all be able to join me in a zoom room right before the pay-per-view starts. But so the matches, I mean, as far as an undercard goes for a Royal rumble, there's a pretty significant undercard. You got Roman reigns versus Kevin Owens. Um, I loved the continuation of this story on SmackDown this week. I, I hope, Oh, who knows? I, the fact that, People like people, adult wrestling fans that have been watching wrestling for years and years and years. The fact that some of you guys actually thought that Adam Pierce versus Roman Reigns was going to be the match at the Royal Rumble. I, I mean, I heard podcasts. I don't know what these guys are doing. They're putting Adam Pierce in the main event now. No, what did you just start watching? Of course, they're not putting Adam Pierce in the main event of uh, the Royal. No, it's not going to happen. Why would that match happen? I thought it was going to be Nakamura versus Roman Reigns based on the uh, uh, everything that happened with Nakamura. We'll talk more about Nakamura with Hot Dog when he comes on. But um, no, it's not a shock. It's not Adam Pierce. It's Kevin Owens 
that's going to be in this last man standing match. But the way we got there, I really have enjoyed. It's just simple storytelling. And the reason I brought up the Adam Pierce thing is, you know, this week on SmackDown, I did not think that Paul Heyman was actually going to wrestle a match. You know, I I thought a couple of things. What I thought, I, what I, where I thought it might go was I thought that he was going to come out. I knew that Adam Pierce agreeing to the match was a trap, right? And it turned out to be that trap because card subject to change. And here comes Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns beats down Adam Pierce. And then Kevin Owens comes up and beats down Roman Reigns, which is significant because you don't see Roman Reigns getting beaten down all that often, especially to end an episode of SmackDown. It really doesn't happen very much. So, and keep in mind, you know, Kevin Owens, he has had two matches with Roman Reigns, but he was cheated out of the cage match and he was cheated out of their first match too. So while last man standing rules, clearly they would benefit Roman Reigns more than Kevin Owens because he's got the numbers behind him. Who knows? Maybe Nakamura gets involved. Maybe Daniel Bryan gets involved. You know, there there are, there are, while you're allowed to cheat and you're allowed to use interference and stuff like that in last man standing matches, you also can't manipulate the outcome the way you can manipulate the outcome of a cage match by handcuffing Kevin Owens to the ring, the way you can even manipulate the outcome of a Hell in a Cell match by threatening to kill your your cousin if his brother, your other cousin, doesn't say I quit. You know what I mean? Like there are but but last man standing, it's just not answering the 10 count. I guess you could manipulate and blackmail somebody into not answering the 10 count, but that seems a little bit far-fetched, even for wrestling. So I, I do think it's intriguing. I think that it's gonna be oh okay. So where I thought it was going was uh I, and by the way, I thought the way they went was better than the way I thought it was going. But I, I was like, huh, I, I thought there was gonna be a hiccup in the Adam Pierce storyline and when Adam Pierce accepted the match, that was going to be Paul Heyman saying, what happened to your injury, Adam? I guess we don't need to change the card after all. Oh, why would you accept the match with Paul Heyman if you were injured? I feel like logically somebody should bring up that point. If Roman Reigns really wants to fight Adam Pierce at Royal Rumble, he should probably bring up the fact that his injury appears to have completely cleared up. Although, you know, all Adam Pierce would have to do is fake another injury next week and Kevin Owens is back in the match. So I guess that that doesn't make the most sense in the world. So it's Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. Last man standing, universal championship match. I think it's a, it's going to be great. I think it's going to be really, really good, especially the student of the game that Kevin Owens is. Like, Kevin Owens is such a wrestling fan. Kevin Owens wants to make his mark. I, I feel like Kevin Owens specifically is going to be thinking about The Rock and Mankind and the I Quit match that happened at Royal Rumble 99. I think that this is going to be brutality. I think that we're going to see some crazy stuff. I think that we're going to see Kevin Owens utilizing parts of the Thunderdome that we didn't even know existed. And I think it's going to be, I think Kevin Owens is going to go down, but I think he's going to fight hard going down. Uh, Then, of course, you've got the WWE Championship match Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg, and I don't I don't want to hear anybody trying to predict the outcome of this match because clearly Drew McIntyre should win the match, and all the promos have felt like Drew, like Drew losing would look really, really bad because, you know, Drew saying that Goldberg it would be like fighting his dad and 
Drew, the way Drew talked about Goldberg, you know, in the pre-tapes on his phone from home. And I guess they're going to be face-to-face this week, tonight, on Raw. So, you know, Drew should logically win based on what he said in his promos, based on the year that he's had, based on who should be going into WrestleMania as champion. It should be Drew McIntyre. But Goldberg has never gone into a champion. Goldberg has won many championship matches in the last 20 years. I'll say in the last 20 years. In the last 20 years, there has not been one championship match that I've seen Goldberg walk into that I've gone, oh, Goldberg should definitely win this match. 20 years. Think about all the championship matches Goldberg has won in 20 years. Not one of them have I said to myself, Goldberg should definitely win this match. And I'll say this, Goldberg should really not win this match. He he in no way, shape, or form should beat Drew McIntyre ever, 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 ever. I mean, this would be, to me, unless they do it some wonky way where I'm satisfied, and I'll be honest about it after the match, I feel like you couldn't do a whole lot worse to Drew McIntyre's character than to have Goldberg beat him. I mean, this is the match to let the world know. How do you feel about your current roster as it compares to your legends? If Drew McIntyre loses to Goldberg, you are sending the message to me as a fan that the legends are better than the current superstar wrestlers. And if that is what message you are sending to me, then maybe I shouldn't be watching television unless it's Legends Night. If Drew wins, then you're sitting here going like, oh no, this is a new generation and these legends aren't ready for it anymore. That's the feeling I should get. You don't see people going like, oh, well, you know, Conor McGregor is great, but if Chuck Liddell ever got in that octagon with him, they're not even in the same weight class. But everybody knows that if somebody who fought Let's say Chuck Liddell and Conor McGregor were in the same weight class. If they fought in 2021, people would be going like this. Chuck, don't do it. Chuck, this is bad for your health. And he'd go like, I'm going to do it anyway. And you know what would happen? He would get his ass kicked. Because it's Conor's time. That's what I want to see. I want to see Conor McGregor versus Chuck Liddell, not, you know, the best Chuck Liddell ever versus the best Conor McGregor ever. I want to see the Conor McGregor that I saw this weekend, same weight, you know, whatever, fighting Chuck Liddell, also from this weekend, fresh out of a bar, Chuck Liddell. That's what I want to see at the Royal Rumble. I want to see, here's what I want to see. Goldberg is the undertaker on Joe Rogan's podcast. Drew McIntyre is the rest of the WWE roster on Twitter. That's the way this is working out anyway. If any, honestly, Goldberg should go on Raw tonight and tell Drew McIntyre that he is soft. And that's the problem with this entire generation. Just lift the Undertaker's thing. You got Twitter on fire all weekend talking about what the Undertaker said on Joe Rogan. Now, you don't have to get into the guns and the knives and the drugs kicking in the stomping and the stinging in the mud. But have Goldberg say that Drew's generation is soft 
And Goldberg is going to prove to Drew why his generation can't hang with legends like Goldberg and why Goldberg is just cut from a different cloth. And then Drew kicks his GD head off on Sunday night, a week from, uh, or six days from today. Drew kicks his head off and goes, how's this for soft? And punctures a hole in his head to prove that it is actually baby soft with his thumb. That's what I want to see happen at the Royal Rumble. If you are a wrestling fan, you cannot sit here and say, I think legends should beat current roster guys. I didn't want, you know, when, when, when The Rock fought Hulk Hogan, no part of me wanted Hulk Hogan to beat him. When Hogan was on top, nobody was looking for Sam Martino. Things changed with John Cena's generation. John Cena did that J-O-B to The Rock. But The Rock returned the favor, didn't he? Didn't he? I mean, still, Cena should have probably just mopped the floor with him. But, but, I guess The Rock's a big movie star, too. But, I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to see Cena Rock 1. I want to see Cena Rock 2. I want to see Drew McIntyre embarrass Goldberg to the point that he loses his value. That's just what I want to see. Um, Wow. And they haven't announced any other matches officially. Um, I would think, you know, I, I would, I would think Bobby Lashley and Matt Riddle will happen. You know, I know tonight Matt Riddle is going on a gauntlet match against all of the Hurt Business, so I'll think they'll do that match. Man, I said this was a big undercard because I guess I was only thinking about those two matches and how big those two matches are, but maybe it's not a big undercard. Man, that's why it doesn't feel like the Royal Rumble. They haven't announced anything for this pay-per-view. You know, I, I based on SmackDown on Friday, it didn't seem like the Street Profits are going to get a shot at the Tag Team Championship against the Dirty Dogs. Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. I, 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 so I would, I guess you're, I think Charlotte and Asuka should defend the tag championship. But I guess you're going to do Alexa Bliss versus Asuka instead. That's what I don't understand. I don't understand. Why bother putting the tag team championship on Charlotte and Asuka if you're just going to, Make it so that Charlotte has a problem with Lacey Evans and Asuka has a problem with Alexa Bliss. Like, it's almost like they wanted to do something when they first put the tag title on them, and then they just gave, forgot. And we're like, well, let's do this thing with Asuka and Alexa Bliss. Let's do this thing with Charlotte and Lacey Evans. What about Asuka and Charlotte? I mean, they were on SmackDown. They had a match. But that was really, let's be honest, just... Something to get Billy Kay on the show, which, you know, I'm in favor of. But I, it's it feels like you're looking at Asuka versus Alexa Bliss, which, again, I saw so, uh, whatever. It really should be the tag title on the line. Uh, Asuka and Charlotte should just be tearing through the women's division. I don't understand that at all. I mean, we saw Somalier versus Sasha Banks on SmackDown. So I would think Carmella versus Sasha Banks is going to be happening at the Royal Rumble. Uh, and then what do you do? Do you have the rest of the Hurt Business 
Is Kofi Kingston going to be back? Kofi Kingston's injured too. I think. He hasn't been on TV anyway. Wow. Okay. And then, unless I'm forgetting matches or something like that, unless there's matches that have been announced that that I don't know. These are the two matches, I guess. All right. Two matches. Uh, and then the Royal Rumble. Let's start with the Women's Royal Rumble. The Women's Royal Rumble match confirmed. Nia Jax, Charlotte, Bianca Belair, who, by the way, her, uh, what's it called? Whatever the WWE documentary was, uh, was great. It's only a half hour. I could have watched it for longer to tell you the truth, but it was really, really good. Uh, and also gave me uh, an excuse to compliment her on Twitter just to watch the internet uh, light themselves on fire, which is always fun. But you've got Nia Jax, Charlotte, Bianca Belair, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, Peyton Royce, Alexa Bliss, Shayna Baszler. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine people. Nine out of 30 have, uh, have confirmed. So I would assume, I think that the Royal Rumble, I would like to see Raquel Gonzalez enter, but I wouldn't like to see her called up right just yet, but I would like to see her enter. Uh, I think that this is the time for uh, Rhea Ripley to maybe debut either here or the night after the Royal Rumble or something, but I think Rhea Ripley debuting in the Royal Rumble would probably be good. Um, a summer, not Summer Ray, uh, Eva Marie, this would be the time for Eve Marie to debut, too. I mean, she's been rumored to have been re-signed for a really long time. I, look, I, I think in both these Rumble matches, we're not going to have that much of an idea of who's going to win the thing. Maybe up until time, you know. We'll have to wait and see this week on Raw and SmackDown. But who knows? I, I Every part of me feels like if Bianca Belair doesn't win this thing, you're going to have a Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 30 scenario on your hands unless you got some kind of awesome story. You know, I I just, I think, I think Bianca Belair winning and starting a story with Sasha Banks is the way to go. Like, I think going to WrestleMania with Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks, babyface versus babyface, or you could have Sasha turn heel if you really want to. Bianca Belair turning heel is never going to work. Uh, I mean, there's just too much support for her. Trust me. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think the moment she's having the year, Chronicle, by the way, is the documentary series. The moment that she's having, the year that she's been having, the, the, the slow uptick, you know, just the fact that there's a new face. I think you gotta have Bianca Belair win this thing. You know, you could... I seen a picture of uh, Becky Lynch on Instagram. She's holding her baby. Her baby's out of her body, and she appears to be in good shape. Becky Lynch could enter into the Royal Rumble. Now, my gut tells me that if Becky Lynch were going to enter into the Royal Rumble match, she wouldn't have posted that photo for Conor McGregor. You know, she wouldn't have gotten people talking about her a week before the Rumble. I think that if somebody's going to return for the Rumble especially if it's a huge surprise. Generally, they keep quiet until the Royal Rumble, and then boom, here they are. Um, but I still wouldn't be shocked. You know, I, I really hope that Becky is back 
at least by WrestleMania, if not the Monday after WrestleMania. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing like, you know, maybe Becky and Charlotte kind of take each other out and then Bianca eliminates maybe Alexa Bliss to win the thing. I don't know. I mean, I guess Alexa Bliss is in the Rumble, so I don't know if she'll end up getting a women's championship match, but stranger things have happened. Um, yeah, unless somebody shocking returns. And then I'm sure you'll have your legends. Like, I'm sure Molly Holly will be in it. Um, I'm, I would think, I don't know if Lita and Trish will be in it or not, just because they're so high profile. I think Trish won't be. You know, I think Trish is pretty, for sure, for sure, retired. I bet Tori Wilson will be in it. Um, you know, I bet some of the Raw, maybe Melina will be in it. Um, you know, some of some of some of those women, but nine women announced for the Rumble match so far. And then in the men's Rumble match, you've got Daniel Bryan, Bobby Lashley, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, Otis, The Miz, Cesaro, Jay Uso, and Jeff Hardy. Is this is this right? I I, I could have sworn Nakamura was in it. Oh, okay. No, we got more people. Screw this article. So the women that I'm missing, let me read it again. We actually have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay, twelve. Not nine. That'd be ridiculous. Twelve women. Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Charlotte Flair, Bailey, Bianca Belair, Dana Brooke, Mandy Rose, Peyton Royce, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, Tamina. I mean, it doesn't change my guess at all. Uh, I would imagine you'll also get a comedy spot from uh uh you know, uh, Billy Kay. I, I think she'll be in the match, like legit, you know, but I think it'll be a comedy spot and I think it'll be great. But yeah, I do. I, it's gotta be Bianca Belair unless it's some shock. And then in the men's rumble, you've got Bobby Lashley, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Otis, The Miz, Jay Uso, Cesaro, Jeff Hardy, Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Big E. So lots of interesting stuff has been happening on SmackDown. This men's Rumble match is fairly uh, unpredictable. You know, I, 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 Bobby, I can't see Bobby Lashley winning. Unfortunately, I really can't see AJ Styles winning. And the reason I can't see AJ Styles winning is not because I can't see him main eventing, but I can't see him needing the Royal Rumble to main event. I feel like AJ Styles could just get a title shot whenever he wants. I can't see Otis winning this thing. Um, you know, poor Otis. He lost the briefcase. He's not winning this thing. I, the Miz isn't going to win. Uh, he's got the briefcase anyway. He doesn't need to win. Uh, I would say Jay Uso won't win, but he will work on behalf of Roman Reigns. You know, I think that he'll be in there as a sh soldier for Roman Reigns. He may end up eliminating Daniel Bryan. He may like he'll he'll be eliminating the people that Roman Reigns is afraid of. And then maybe Paul Heyman will come out and just tell him to jump over the rope. Like, come on. All right, you're done, Jay. You're done, Jay. And like force him to eliminate himself or something like that. That could be cool. Jeff Hardy's not gonna win. Sami Zayn's not gonna win. Ziggler's not gonna win. So the people that could potentially win. Randy Orton, of course, could. We could definitely go to WrestleMania with with uh a Randy Orton. I would imagine it would be Drew McIntyre match or whatever, but of course Randy Orton could probably won't, but could win. 
Cesaro has become a dark horse for me, you know, just based on the fact that he beat Daniel Bryan like that. I don't think he will win. I think he'll look strong, but you never know. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura could definitely win. Shinsuke Nakamura could absolutely become a two-time Royal Rumble winner and go to WrestleMania to face Roman Reigns. I think if Big E lost the Intercontinental Championship, he could win. And I've, I've talked to you about my Daniel Bryan predictions on this podcast for weeks, you know. The idea of Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns, title versus career, I think is a, is a, is a big one. But how many people do, you, do we have announced in this thing? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. Only 13 people. There's 17 unannounced spots in the Royal Rumble as of the time this podcast is getting recorded. And I'm sure we'll get a bunch more announced on Raw and SmackDown. But no, I don't think we'll get 17 more. We might get... Seven more, but we'll, we may go into the Royal Rumble this year with like 10 unknown spots in the men's match, which is a lot. I think that you had the potential for some huge, huge entrance in the Royal Rumble. And I think that, I think that WWE, and this is why Becky Lynch even entered my mind in the women's Royal Rumble match. I think that WWE is going to really try to up the ante as they get towards the Royal Rumble, you know? I mean, ratings are what they are. Let's not kid ourselves, you know? WWE wants a shot in the arm. WrestleMania is the first WWE show that they're going to have with an audience again. They need the road to WrestleMania. This is, coming off of the Royal Rumble is the hottest time that the WWE has. And, 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 and I really think that this is a time where they're going to try to pull out all the stops in this rumble match. So uh I think uh I think there's a few surprises that you're looking at as far as returns. Number one, I think Edge is a big time possibility. Edge could easily return. Edge could return. He could win the thing. I mean, I don't think Randy Orton is gonna win because I think Edge will probably eliminate him right off the bat. Uh well before we get to Edge, I think the Fiend could be in this thing. And the Fiend could win it. You know, unless The Fiend just comes in and makes Randy Orton disappear. But again, you're starting to overlap storylines now with Edge, which uh, is why I really think, you know, I, I here's what I think will probably happen. I think Edge will probably return. I think The Fiend will show up in the ring. I think Edge will eliminate Randy Orton. I think The Fiend, or, or you know, or, or maybe Edge will go to eliminate Randy Orton and The Fiend will eliminate Edge. I think we're going to build towards a Fiend versus Edge match with the Fiend considering Randy Orton an ally. And that's a storyline that I pitched weeks ago here on the podcast, but I think that's where we'll be. However, Edge could win the match. You know, I mean, Edge Edge could easily win the match and either go to WrestleMania and face Roman Reigns or Edge could go to WrestleMania and face... Drew McIntyre or another champion. Edge could face Goldberg. Edge could Drew McIntyre could lose the title to Randy Orton before WrestleMania and have Edge versus Randy for the title. There's, you know, there's a few different things you could do. But I think Edge returning at the Royal Rumble is very likely. Uh I'm not so sold on him winning, but it's certainly a possibility. I think as far as returns go, The Undertaker is a dark horse. I think probably not. But I think it's a, it's always a possibility, you know, just, just for the moment, but I think probably not. Um, 
I think there's a huge possibility of Brock Lesnar returning at the Royal Rumble. I think there's a big possibility of Brock Lesnar returning at the Royal Rumble, of Brock Lesnar winning the Royal Rumble, and then of Paul Heyman being stuck between, I'm going to say it, a Brock and a hard place. Huh? Do we like it? little play on words for y'all? Is that great or what? A Brock and a hard place? Get it? I think there is a real possibility of Brock Lesnar returning, winning this thing, and then going to SmackDown to challenge Roman Reigns. And that could be a very interesting scenario. You know, that could take us right back to 2003 and a babyface Brock Lesnar with no manager. It'll be very interesting because with no fans in the building, if it's a babyface Brock Lesnar versus a heel Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman, do they boo Brock Lesnar or do they boo Roman Reigns? Like, even if they're supposed to cheer Brock Lesnar, will they? I don't know. But I do think that if Brock Lesnar were to return, I don't see Paul Heyman turning on Roman Reigns unless it happened at WrestleMania. I could see Brock, I could see Paul Heyman eventually turning on Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar becoming a heel and Roman Reigns, you know, because I, th- I do think that by SummerSlam, Roman Reigns will be a babyface. But I don't think that it will happen just because Brock's back. My preference would be to see Brock and Roman team up. But I, th- and maybe Paul, maybe that's part of the story. Maybe Brock wins the Royal Rumble. Maybe it looks like he's going to challenge Roman Reigns. Maybe we spend a month with Brock and Roman as a tag team. And then maybe Brock finally does decide, you know what? Screw this. I am going to challenge you, Roman Reigns. And, you know, that's how we build Brock as a babyface. But I could easily see Brock Lesnar winning this Royal Rumble match. Easily. We haven't seen him since WrestleMania. I could easily see that happening. You know, there's another person that could win the Royal Rumble. John Cena. John Cena could win the Royal Rumble. Hear me out. What if this whole Goldberg thing, people are asking, why is Goldberg facing Drew McIntyre? It's stupid. And why did Goldberg come out and say Drew McIntyre disrespected legends? It's stupid. And it's hard to argue. But what if this is all kind of the first part of a long-term story. I told you, you're not supposed to see what happens in these long-term stories. What if John Cena, what if Drew McIntyre destroys Goldberg and he is disrespectful to Goldberg? What if he destroys Goldberg at the Royal Rumble and he's the hero? And then John Cena makes a surprise return in the Royal Rumble match. John Cena wins the Royal Rumble. And John Cena is the one that goes on Raw to tell Drew McIntyre that he just doesn't have the stuff, that he hasn't learned from the legends of the past, and that he is not the guy. That John Cena says, I carried this company on my back for 10 years, and you don't have the muscle to do it. You could spend all you want, all the time you want in the gym, Drew McIntyre, you are never going to be strong enough to carry this company the way I did. And you know why? Because your generation doesn't care like ours did. And you take that Undertaker Joe Rogan storyline, you give it to John Cena. You know what you do? You kill so many birds with one stone. You've got a huge main event for WrestleMania, John Cena versus Drew McIntyre. You've got John Cena on Raw cutting promos, which is a good thing. You've got a then versus now storyline. And 
not even it. You got a then versus now storyline. You've got the opportunity to have Drew McIntyre beat John Cena on the grandest stage of them all. And because we're at this stage in his career and because he can run down the current roster, you finally have the opportunity to turn John Cena heel. My pick to win this year's Royal Rumble, if I'm the one booking it, is John Cena. And John Cena comes out the next night on Raw and he looks down on this generation. He says, I left you guys the ball and nobody picked it up. Look at this place. Look at the ratings. You guys have done nothing since I left. Nobody is on my level and nobody's close. And Drew McIntyre is your guy? I mean, he's got a nice sword and everything, but I don't know if it's long enough. Ooh, ooh. And John Cena gets to play that role that The Rock did, where Drew McIntyre in real life has to step up if he wants to go toe-to-toe with The Rock. That was a real rivalry. John Cena knew what that was like, and that brought out the best in John Cena. That was a different John Cena. When John Cena called out The Rock for having his promo written on his arm, it was like, I dare you to not respect John Cena. He's the man. Now, he gets to be The Rock, who's got to go and make McIntyre work for it. And then, by the way, you finally get to have this match where John Cena can do what John Cena wants to do. Put someone over. On the grandest stage of them all, Show to the world that Drew McIntyre is the guy by beating John Cena when John Cena doesn't want to be beat. John Cena absolutely loves putting the business first. You can see that if you look at the way Cena operates. If you look at the fact that Cena didn't have a WrestleMania main event after he beat The Rock. He was in the company for years after that. After 29... He never was in the main event for WrestleMania again. And he was the biggest star in the company. Cena, when he finally got to have his match with The Undertaker, he jobbed out in two minutes. Why? I think, my conspiracy theory, because the company wanted to give The Undertaker his confidence back so they could use him in more matches. And John Cena allowed himself to be used in that way. And then ultimately, he takes the clean loss to Roman Reigns. John Cena, I think, wants to leave the business better than when he found it. And I think John Cena wants to crown the next guy. And when he did it for Roman Reigns, it wasn't time, and the fans didn't accept it. But I really think the fans could accept it for WrestleMania. And I think that it'll be a great test for Drew McIntyre. Is he ready to step up to the plate like this? I think now is the time we can finally have a heel John Cena, and it's a real-life John Cena. It's a jerk John Cena. It's a Hollywood John Cena. It's a John Cena that legitimately thinks he's better than people. And he can go out in the press, and it's like, oh, we're surprised to see you back at WrestleMania. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I love WWE, and I just don't see anybody that's up to my level there right now. And he says that in interviews. And he'll get all the big interviews. He goes on The Tonight Show and says that. He goes on Entertainment Tonight and says that. And he just riles people up. And then Drew 
once all those eyes get on the night, Drew has to prove to the people that, oh, I, I want to see this Drew McIntyre guy. What's this guy all about? He beat John Cena. That's my pick. You know, if you have a WrestleMania then where you've got The Fiend versus Edge, where you've got Roman versus Brian, career versus title, and you got John Cena versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship in your main event of night two, I don't think you're getting better than that. That's my pick, man. That's my pick. I am excited that that we're going to have uh, some wrestling on a Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, the Superstar Spectacle is going to air on the WWE Network, so that's exciting just because it's fun. It's fun to have new wrestling shows on at odd hours. I love when the when the UK tournaments would run live and like a Saturday afternoon, you could just get to watch some wrestling or when they do the international pay-per-views and they're on at like noon on a Friday. I love that stuff. Um, we got a couple of notes before we get into uh, my conversation with Hot Dog. First of all, I want you to watch the Alexa Bliss storyline carefully. Watch that storyline carefully because something really interesting is happening that I don't know how many people are picking up on, but... I don't, I don't think, I, I think the way this story is going, this is going to sound weird, but I don't think that Alexa Bliss is searching for Bray Wyatt. I think Alexa Bliss is Bray Wyatt. I think that, that that's the message that I got anyway when we ended the show with Alexa Bliss saying, let me in, and she was doing all her shape-shifting and she was changing outfits and Asuka was scared. I think, the soul of the fiend is inside Alexa bliss. I don't know how it gets out so that he can get to the Royal rumble and then fight edge at WrestleMania. But I think that right now, as we speak in Canon, Alexa bliss bliss is Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is Alexa bliss. Wait a minute. Lace is out. It's literally the Ace Ventura storyline. <laughs> no, I mean the soul, not the body, the soul. I think that that's where they're going with this, and I'm interested. I, I like where it's going. I think it's cool. Um, so let's talk, okay, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we, we mentioned the Undertaker thing. The Undertaker on Joe Rogan was just everywhere all weekend. Uh, people kind of offended by it. The Undertaker went on Joe Rogan's show, and uh, basically, in a, it's like a three-hour interview. It's a really good interview, you know. Undertaker talks about how much he likes military guys. He talks about his uh, his all of his injuries and how bad some of them were. Talks about steroid stuff. He answers some wrestling questions. It's just great. You know, and I really think, too, like, I, I don't know. Like, so the Undertaker uh, was asked towards the end of this three-hour interview, uh, what do you think of the current day product? And he basically said that he keeps up with it, but he it's tough for him to be a fan because he thinks it's kind of soft. And he said, and I think that's going to piss people off, but I also think that they need to hear it. Uh, and then he kind of waxed poetic about the old days when it was gritty and you had uh, people showing up to the locker room with guns and knives and, you know, I mean, kind of a ridiculous, a bit of a, it got a, the take got a little bit ridiculous. I think that some of his messaging got lost in the examples. I think that there is a part of The Undertaker. First of all, let's never forget that he's The Undertaker. So to me, he can he can do no wrong. Like, I'm not, I don't have to agree with everything that he says, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, what's this guy thinking? It doesn't matter what he's thinking. He's the Undertaker. He can have whatever opinion he wants. And it's going to be at least half right because he's the Undertaker. He's earned it. But 
it, it, I mean, it was one of those, you know, back in my day, things were better speeches that, you know, you, you always hope that you're not going to get there. I think everybody gets there. Everybody thinks that the music that they listened to in high school was the best music ever. Everybody thinks the movies that they watched, best movies ever. Everybody looks, you know, first it was millennials, now it's Gen Z. Everybody looks at whatever that young generation is and goes like, oh man, these kids, back in my day. And it's like, you can't, you can't be that guy. You, you, you can acknowledge that things have changed. You can kind of comment on the fact that, oh, isn't it weird that society is different? But you can't be that guy. You know, things were better back in my day. I know they were. I know. That said, and, and, and it's right. You know, unfortunately, the way he set up his argument was talking about the way locker rooms were and how that was better and how, like, the guys today, they, you know, spend more time you know, looking pretty and playing video games than anything else. And they're like, well, I mean, we're staying alive. <laughs> you know, like people, you know, from that generation, there was a wrath of early deaths. It became something synonymous with professional wrestling. The expect the life expectancy of a pro wrestler was younger than AJ Styles is today because of the lifestyle that they were living back then. And, you know, and a lot of people pointed that out. Well, the nice thing about playing video games in in a locker room is my friends and I uh, don't have to die early. And it's like, yeah, you know, that's clearly the way this argument is going to go. I don't know why you would set up your argument like that. And also, you know, the whole like. It does come across as. I don't know anything about video games because I don't play them, so I'm going to assume that this is uh, this is some girly shit. Right. And it's like, you know, I maybe you just don't get it because it's not your generation, which is OK. I do think it's funny on the other side of the coin that there are a lot of people, and I don't mean the wrestlers. I don't. I think that the generation of wrestlers that The Undertaker is specifically talking about, those are the people that should be tweeting. Those are the people that should be taking umbrage. Those are the people that should be like, he's wrong. Who does this guy think he is? Well, he's like, I'm The Undertaker. And he's like, okay, that's actually a great point, Undertaker. But he's wrong. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Those guys should be saying it. It's like a lot of the fans and it's and it's a lot of what I don't like is a lot of people that complain about the product every single Monday, every single Wednesday, every single Friday are the same ones complaining about The Undertaker not knowing what he's talking about. And it's like at the very least, if you complain about the product every week, you should at least be able to agree with The Undertaker that something needs to change. And while I don't think that the problem is 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 that it's I soft soft is is probably not the right word, you know. And I also don't think it's fair to just blame the athletes, the superstars, right? Because there's a lot of things at play. It doesn't mean the superstars are without any guilt whatsoever. But it's also the product itself, you know. When the product itself changes, you have to take that into consideration too. It's the superstars, it's the product itself, and it's the people running the show. Let's be honest, Stone Cold Steve Austin's segment, he's Stone Cold, and he would tell you straight up, he told us on, on Jim and Sam, that the segment he did on Stone Cold Steve Austin Day sucked. But he did it. So, you know, I I I, I think that, 
I think that we have to be a little bit more nuanced and realize that we don't have to take sides here as fans. Like, we don't have to sit here and go like, well, what do you think is better? Wrestlers sitting around playing video games or wrestlers sitting around doing drugs? Well, I mean, maybe there's a middle ground. Like, maybe there's a space that we could find where we can admit that things were way too crazy back then. But we, we could use some change now, too. We could change things up a little bit. You know, I, I think the one thing with wrestling today, and I'm uh, the biggest wrestling fan you will ever meet. I was thinking about this as I was watching the UFC fight over the weekend. I think the thing about wrestling today is all of it, in its presentation, in, 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 in the way it feels, in everything. It's just very pro-wrestling. We all know so well what pro wrestling is. Everybody that's involved grew up with pro wrestling. All the wrestlers there grew up knowing who their heroes were. They grew up watching in the 80s or the 90s or some of them in the 2000s. The commentators grew up listening to other pro wrestling commentators. The promoters grew up watching shows being promoted by other wrestling promoters. And even the people like at WWE that have been in the game since day one, they're still basing stuff on stuff that they did 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever it was, probably 30 years ago. Instead of looking at the product and instead, the product has become a reflection of itself. Pro wrestling to a huge degree is a reflection of past pro wrestling. And it shouldn't be. Pro wrestling should be a reflection of the culture that it exists in. The Attitude Era was a reflection of the culture that it exists in. Hulkamania and the 80s boom was a reflection of the culture that it existed in. You know, I, I wrestling has to not only reflect the culture, but then be able to dictate what the culture is and not just be, well, this is how we do wrestling, you know? And I, I think that there is a way. UFC is so popular. And I'm watching UFC and I'm listening to the commentators. And, you know, I'm listening to the interviewers and I'm watching the fights. And, and like, I don't follow UFC. I don't watch UFC every week. This is the, I didn't even know my ESPN Plus subscription had lapsed. This is the first UFC show I'd watched in months and months and months and months. I'd turn it on because it's a Conor McGregor fight. But I understood the stories of every fight that I was watching. I understood who the fighters were because I watched the video packages and I listened to what the commentators were saying. I understood why stuff that was happening in the cage was happening. I understood why moves were being done. I understood why people were reacting to those moves. And I think that there is a way that you can present wrestling that way. You know, I, I, I feel like when I watch wrestling now, everybody that's presenting it, from the athletes to the broadcasters to the writers to everybody, are completely aware that this is pro wrestling but they're trying to trick us into believing that they don't know that this is pro wrestling. Does that make sense to you guys? Like that they're sitting there super aware that this is pro wrestling and part of pro wrestling is we need to trick the audience so they don't know that we know that it's pro wrestling. And it's like, bro, we know. It's 2021. We know it's pro wrestling. 
You know, like you can't have people that don't watch wrestling turn it on and go like, well, why are they acting like that? I mean, this is wrestling, right? This is just pro wrestling. I also think that you can run afoul. You can go all the way in the opposite direction. I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think that what can end up happening is you end up kind of beating people over the head, acknowledging that what you're watching is scripted. I'm in on this. I'm in on this. That's the opposite end of the spectrum where you're like reminding people that they're watching something scripted. That can't happen either. I think that there has to be, I think that people, and this is this is from, it starts at the top, obviously. It starts at the very top and the way, the, the philosophy, the philosophy of wrestling. It has to be, we cannot insult viewers' intelligence and we have to take what we do seriously. Not in a fake way. Like we can't pretend to take what we do seriously. We actually have to take it seriously. We have to, if we're commentators, you have to have your commentators describe what's going on in the ring and the psychology of the character. And he wouldn't say, well, this character is doing this. Why is a headlock being applied? Why is, is Kevin Owens so pissed at Roman Reigns? You know, and when that story gets repeated, if it sounds stupid, it's a bad story. And we have to change that up. But just because you're 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 choreographing to an extent your matches, not only does that not mean that they shouldn't make sense, it means that they should make even more sense because you're cooperating in telling this physical story. And I don't think that that physical story is being told in modern terms. I think that that physical story is being told in pro wrestling terms. So for us inside the pro wrestling bubble, it's familiar and it's comfortable and we're okay with it. But that's not, that's not going to like make you, it's not going to get your blood boiling. It's not going to make you feel excited. It's not going to make you tell your friend who doesn't watch wrestling that you got to tune in because there's something going on here that goes that, that's that's beyond pro wrestling there's an evolution in pro wrestling happening here that's where you have to be the top of the top the person putting on the show has got to be our philosophy is that we take this stuff seriously and that's the message that we're sending home the wrestlers have to put on matches that feel like they're taking it seriously. The commentators have to commentate on these matches that they take seriously. They can't pretend to be taking it seriously. They have to actually be taking it seriously. The wrestlers can't pretend to be taking it seriously. They actually have to take it seriously. The backstage interviewers can't pretend to take it seriously. They actually have to take it seriously. An interviewer has to actually be trying to get to the bottom of something. You know, and, and again, this isn't the interviewer necessarily. They're just doing their job. They're doing what they're told to do, ultimately. The segment, though, whoever is in charge of this segment has to look at this segment and go, 
why is this interviewer talking to this superstar? If it's just, you have a match tonight, should be tough. I mean, what do you need an interviewer there for? Like, every element of the show should be, why is this happening? Well, here's, here's why this is happening. Here's the motivation of this person. Here's the motivation of that person. And here's why we can take it seriously. And then you have to follow up on all that. There has to be a cohesiveness. There has to be a cohesion that moves from show to show and takes us from show to show to pay-per-view to pay-per-view. So that way, the stuff that's happening in your shows makes sense and is taken seriously and then the larger arc makes sense and is taken seriously. You know? I mean, we uh, the guy that Conor McGregor fought and lost to over the weekend. It's a big deal because they fought once before. That was years ago. And they've had these two separate journeys throughout the years, right? But when we get back there, we can tell this longer arc. In between, they've both got tons of stories that they're telling going into each fight. But those stories all blend together because it's life. It's life. There's no interruption. There's no, oh, but we forget that because that one didn't make any sense or, oh, that didn't go anywhere. You know, you, you, you just keep it rolling. The way when Connor goes like, I'm, I'm retiring from MMA. Last night after the fight, the interviewer asked him, so you're not retiring then? And he goes, no, 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 no. I'll be around for a while. And it's like, yeah, follow up on the thing that he said. I think pro wrestling needs rich characters. It needs highly skilled, highly athletic performers, which it has. Raw has them, SmackDown has them, NXT has them, AEW has them. They've got the performers. They've got the athletic performers. But they need deep characters. They need real motivations. They need stuff happening on the show that is can't miss all the time. There needs to be a pace to these shows that's like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? And every person on the show from top to bottom has to take all elements of the show seriously and not be pretending to take them seriously. You can't do pro wrestling anymore. Do the show. Don't don't do pro wrestling because everybody knows pro wrestling. Everybody knows all the tricks. Everybody knows like every, everybody every, everybody knows what the stereotype is. So the fact that we go back to tropes and go back to tropes and go back to tropes it's like everybody knows these tropes. And again, if you're a super fan like me, maybe there's part of it that, that you feel comfortable doing. There's part of it that you feel comfortable watching. But you know, you know, when you turn on a wrestling show, you should be able to convince your fan that doesn't, to, to convince your friend that doesn't watch wrestling why what you're watching is cool. And you know there's lots of times that you can't do that. I'm talking about wrestling in general. As healthy as the business is and was before COVID and everything. I mean, it was, it was, it was for a period of time. For, 
in two different instances, in two different cases. Professional wrestling was one of the biggest things in the world of pop culture. They had that in the 80s and they had it in the 90s. And I'm just not satisfied as a fan with wrestling not being there. When wrestling is good, when WWE is good, it's the greatest form of entertainment in the world ever. There's no better form of entertainment than wrestling. There's nothing better in the world than wrestling when wrestling's good. There just isn't. But that's the standard you got to hold yourself to, man. And that's the standard that everybody involved has to hold themselves to. We've uh, got a guest on the show today. His name is Hot Dog. Hot Dog is uh, he's my producer on a lot of stuff. He's with me on Sam Roberts Now, which I do. It's a non-wrestling show that I do on YouTube every Friday night live um, at youtube.com slash notsam. He's also my producer and the person uh, who accompanies me every week on Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network. Uh, Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network has uh, run every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern on the free version of the WWE Network for the last 14 Thursdays. This week will be episode 15. It will be the last episode of season one, and it is jam-packed. 90 minutes, chock full of everything you could possibly want out of a Not Sam Wrestling show. So if you've missed any of those WWE Network shows, like I said, they're on the free version. Go back, watch as many as you can, binge them, do whatever you can do. Because, you know, any viewers are are super, super helpful. And, you know, tweet about it and let people know you're watching and everything like that. But I like talking to Hot Dog about wrestling. And uh, I wanted to do that here on the podcast. So I did, as a way to kind of promote the uh, the show too. Here he is. My producer from Not Sam Wrestling, the one and only Hot Dog. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. So I'm going to tell you right now, Hot Dog, uh, I let the people, the Not Sam shells on Patreon know that you were uh, going to be the guest this week. You know, on Patreon, we do our, our Zoom meeting, our little brainstorm before I record mm-hmm. the podcast. And I was like, uh, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go uh, record the show. Hot Dog's going to be uh, the guest on the show. And they were like, he's your guest? I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, we're going to, you know, we're, we're just trying to get the word out there about the network show. And also, ultimately, you're just a person I can talk to about wrestling. I mean, I talk to you about wrestling all the time, right? And I'm not too hard to book. No, no yeah, you're yeah. really, really not too difficult. At the same time, like, this is probably not going to be one of those where I go, Episode three twenty seven, hot dog. You know, what? Sorry, I I'm in charge of the thumbnails. I'll I'll squeeze myself in there somewhere. <laughs> Just jumping in the corner. It's like okay, uh, Sam, you had the Undertaker on less than a year ago, and now you have hot dog on. This is uh, I don't know what's happening here. This is not good. But I am glad that you're here because uh, one of the most entertaining things for me, one of the most interesting things for me while we were doing the podcast. I mean, not the podcast, the show on the network. Um, which the season finale is on Thursday, was that uh, a lot of it you were not necessarily abreast of. That, you know, you you weren't, you hadn't right. done decades of homework before. You watched wrestling, you know, when you were in school and, and since then, but that only leaves us 
you know, starting in like the middle of the first decade of the 2000s. There's a lot of WWE beforehand. So my first question, because there was a lot of stuff that I was surprised that you were unaware of, but we did a lot of talk about retirement matches on the show that airs this week on the network. And one of the matches that I brought up that you had to get footage from was the Starcade 93 Ric Flair versus Vader match. I've gotten texts from you right. talking about all the wormholes that I've sent you down as you're, excuse me, as you're editing these shows. Uh, did you watch the Starcade 93 match yet? No, but I, I am definitely going to be on, because I, I've heard you say for a while now that all of the Starcades from the 90s are complete trash. Garbage. Garbage. So I, Every yeah. one of them, except 93. All the rest of them are garbage. You just go through. I was talking to LaGreca, Dave LaGreca, about it last week, and he's like an NWA fan. And it's like, yeah. it's just so interesting with Starcade because it's so iconic because of how good it was in the 80s. But then it just completely fell apart in the 90s, except 93. And it's such a rare thing because in 93, it's title versus career. Vader versus Ric Flair. Vader is at his absolute peak of being an unstoppable monster. And Ric Flair is not only a baby face, but instead of talking about Space Mountain and all the women that he's going to bed, like we see him in his house with his family and little Charlotte is there and, and his wife is there. His wife is on television. Do you know how insane it is? The Ric Flair used to give, while he was married, would give his hotel room out on television. Like, he in the, in the 30 for 30, he tells stories about, like, his wife calling and being like, well, I know that it's just, like, the gimmick and everything, but why do you, why do you give your actual hotel room? And he said, and I would tell her, I would tell her, I don't know. Like that was just, I don't know, <laughs> but, well, but what do you do when they actually show up? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. That was my favorite part of that 30 for 30 is Ric Flair's go-to excuse was, I don't know. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, it was very cool seeing that side of Flair. Cause I, I, I watched parts of the match right. you know, to grab him, but I also did see the post in, they had a post interview with Mean Gene and like the wife and Charlotte yeah. were there Yeah, and like just seeing like Flair's demeanors, like, you know, just very calm and like, I'm just happy. This is my first time showing my family on the screen. I was like, oh, look at that. That's a, yeah, that's a cool, interesting character moment for Flair that I've never seen before. Yeah. That he was like, he was almost like Bob Backlund. He was like, Gene, yeah. I knew, I knew how tough Vader was when I, when I signed up to take this match, it's not going to be easy, Gene, but I'm going to do my best. And you're like, yeah, whoa, yelling. yeah, he's not yelling. He's not elbow dropping his underpants. He's not doing any of that stuff. <laughs> and then, and this is the real travesty though. Like, it's going to have to be... That's December of 93. July of 94, they s sign Hogan. So that is the title win. December of 93, he wins the title from Vader in, like, the most epic story of any Starcade in the entire 90s. The best match. Seven months later... He's back to being a heel because he's got to do the J-O-B for Hogan on his way in. Yeah, Hogan's first match. Hogan's first WCW match. I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that until I did research. I didn't know he won it on the first. That's insane. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know, it's, I know it's Hogan, but, like, 
But it was Flair. Like, yeah, yeah, his, yeah. <laughs> he's at his first match. He gets to go to Bash at the Beach. Flair's a heel again. And Hogan just beats him. Leg drop, big boot. He's like, all right, well, at least we had December. At least, yeah. at least, at least we had that Starcade. Had a good short run. Yeah, there really isn't a lot of WCW uh, of that era that I'm sitting there like, that story's great. The Cactus Jack stuff is actually really, for the most part, really awesome. Like the Vader versus Cactus Jack, that whole rivalry is amazing. Um, there's a lot of really good Cactus Jack stuff in WCW. Um, you know, ironic, and I guess it goes to show the people that are still famous today because Harlem Heat, that was like 94, 95. Harlem mm -hmm. Heat is one of the few WCW built characters that were awesome. Like you would, you would go like, no, WCW kind of sucks, but Harlem Heat's cool. Harlem Heat. Everyone was, knows them too. Yes. Even if you're just a casual. Yes. Yeah. Harlem Heat was cool. The Hollywood Blondes were awesome. Brian Pillman and Steve Austin. And I mean, their gimmick made no sense. Like they weren't from Hollywood, and they weren't like they were like pretending to be movie stars. I mean, it, it, I don't know. Cool it, name. It, it, but cool it, name. It, but it was a cool name, and they were awesome. And they made it work. Like, they were an awesome, awesome tag team. Um, I mean, there's, like, so much I still need to get through with WWF that I I, I, I have to put WCW, like... On the it, back burner? I will get to that. Yeah, I will get to, like, the good years of WCW. But part of me also just wants to relive the bad years as well. You have to. You have to relive. Yeah. There's something, because bad wrestling is still awesome, too. Like, there's something so fun yeah. about bad wrestling. Like I said, I mean... One of the great pleasures of doing the show on the network was watching the entire All Aboard the Lex Express documentary. Three hours of, it's, just a, it's a footage dump of the summer of the Lex Express, which was, I mean, ultimately a failed experiment. <laughs> and still, it's like, here's all of the footage that we had, if you'd like to watch it. And I'm going like, yeah, yeah, I think I would like to watch that. Yeah, like that was a blur to me because, of course, like that wasn't that wasn't my time. I just knew Lex Luger. I mean, I wasn't even too sure if he won the title or not. I just That's knew what, he was like. Can you imagine being a kid? So, like, I was a kid. I would have been nine, going on ten. I would have yeah. turned ten like after SummerSlam that year. But can you imagine being a kid? You don't know the politics. You don't know that Lex Luger is not the right pick. Like, you you just at nine years old, you take what you're given. Like, that's why. When Cena was getting booed by everybody, kids were still cheering for Cena. When Roman was getting booed by everybody, kids were still cheering yeah. Roman because you cheer the top guy. It's what you do. So I'm sitting there going like, hell yeah. I forgot he was ever the narcissist. The narcissist. Uh, Lex, Lex well, just. Well, it's actually just something that they used to call me. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about that nickname. But it was so weird because everything up until that point had been Hulk Hogan wins the big matches at pay-per-views. And then even in the year in between, it was like, well, at least Bret Hart's going to win the big matches at pay-per-views. Some good guy's going to win the big matches at pay-per-views. Right. And then the whole summer, from the beginning of July until the end of August, we're sitting there going, Lex Luger is the great American hero. Lex Luger is the number one good guy in WWE. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to see this guy beat Yokozuna. Finally, somebody is going to be the hero. Literally had a music video called i'll be a hero it's so good it's so good <laughs> and it's their original song <laughs> so good and then and the whole let's express gimmick is amazing amazing it's i i didn't understand as a kid 
that the Lex Express made scheduled stops. So literally the summer, the whole summer, anytime we were on the highway, my face was plastered. We weren't even on the highway. We'd be in side streets in Westchester. And I'd be like, oh, I wonder if Lex Luger is going to be driving down here. Like every time we left the house and I was in the car, it's probably too old to be this stupid. But every time, <laughs> every time we were in the car, I was plastered to the window hoping that I would see the Lex Express. I never saw it because it was making scheduled stops. Like, so but, no, he's, he's over at Mount Rushmore. He's not coming over. <laughs> he's not coming over to your house. Yeah, he's not going to Mamaroneck. He's, he's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's at the Washington Monument. Um, but so when I turn on SummerSlam and like Lex Luger wins the match and it was said before the match, they were like, this will be the only title shot Lex Luger ever gets. That was part of the which, match. Which is weird already. It's well, a look, weird thing. Jim Cornette is a great negotiator in the back in the day. Yeah, okay. You okay. know, Jim Cornette is not, he's got the tennis racket, no. but he's also got his pen and he knows really how to put quick. in clauses. Can you tell me what the tennis racket was all about? Because I'm not too familiar with that. I mean, you know, obnoxious people play tennis. Okay. Oh, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's like a rich, he start, well, like, because when Jim Cornette started, he was a kid. And so, like, he was like a rich kid that hung out in, like, you know, with, with rich parents. And he would go to, like, a tennis club. And so he'd have a tennis racket, you know? That's like the one mystery I've had this whole season. Because every now and then when I have to find clips, it always comes back to Jim Cornette. And it's always a tennis racket. Well, yeah. And I was just like, what, what is that about? Well, I mean, what are you talking about? Why does Hacksaw Jim Duggan have a two by four? It wasn't even an American. It's just a piece of wood. Like, why do you bring that piece yeah, of wood right. with you? Like, what? It, I mean, there are seriously microphones wherever you need one in wrestling. <laughs> wherever you need a microphone, you can get a microphone. But for some reason, Jimmy Hart needed to bring a megaphone to the ring. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah. I, like, there was plenty of <laughs> microphones that he could have used, but he needed his megaphone. Um, but so, yeah, so when Lex Luger won via countout, which means he's not going to be the champion, and then everybody hoists him up on their shoulders, like, he did is, it. Yeah. And the commentators aren't even saying, like, oh, this is a major disappointment. I was like, that was probably, probably at that age, that was the first time I watched wrestling live and went, what? <laughs> like, it wouldn't be the last time for sure, but it was the first time I went, what? Who so booked like was, this? <laughs> there was no story afterwards. There was no, you know, I won, I won, but by count out. So let me get a rematch. It was just Lex Luger won. Let's move on. But he didn't win the title. No, you know, it was like after that, it was Survivor Series and he was on the good guy team. It was like Luger and the Undertaker and the Steiners, I think, were the All-Americans which I was like, I didn't realize The Undertaker was so patriotic, but I mean, I guess <laughs> Death, Death, Death Valley is in America. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he's going to be the American badass. You're right. Um, yeah, and then, well, that's why he had to win the Royal Rumble to get another shot, except that was the that was Royal Rumble 94, and he they wouldn't just let him. They were so, they were like, no, we're done with Luger, but we're not going to, we can't just erase him. So they had... Brett and Luger win the Royal Rumble that year. And then they would both go on to WrestleMania to get a, a, a championship match. And then they just had Yoko beat Luger. I mean, if you saw the Lex Express documentary, you could see why they didn't go with him. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. was I wrong, though, in my take? Like, shouldn't it have clearly... Like, when you watch all the footage, just based on the footage alone, shouldn't it have been Macho Man? Like, 
He was electric. No, that was yeah. That was that's an amazing take. That yeah. would have been that would have been awesome. But and also yeah. also I was pretty proud of the fact that I watched the whole body slam challenge and I was like it could have been crushed just as easily. Crush. Everybody was cheering Crush when he came out. They were like, "Yeah, Crush is gonna do it." No, my favorite part was when when the helicopter landed and everyone was like, "Oh, good, <laughs> oh, good." Like, nope, nope. That's uh, why true. this is B-roll. That's why we yeah. don't air this live. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I thought it was. I, I thought it was fun getting to go over all that stuff. Um. Yeah, I mean, there were other there were other points uh, like you would have me when you had Pat Buck on and you were like, oh, I need you to do. Oh, you yeah. Oh, yeah. That's probably my my favorite. My favorite text message that you sent me in the whole process was I told you I needed a screen grab of the Jeff Jarrett Shawn Michaels match from In Your House, too. And then you just texted me and you were like. Yo, this is hella athletic for 1995. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, yeah, dude, that's yeah. You never watched like, it in your house? Like, yeah, like even like two years before, like I like like maybe what 98 when I was watching wrestling, even like 96, I would be like, oh, that's old timers, you know, just like <laughs> headlocks and right and like and breaks in the back and all that. They don't do any of that stuff that they do now. So right. Watching that match, I was like, man, this is this is a modern match. Like this. Yeah. Is You're like, wait, amazing. So the Young Bucks didn't make all that stuff up? <laughs> like, <No. laughs> wait, somebody yeah. was doing this before? I don't, I didn't see this coming. I, I thought I was AJ Styles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why when people were like, AJ Styles reminds me a lot of Shawn Michaels. And you were like, what? Shawn Michaels is one of those old guys. What do you mean? Yeah. Wait, that's what Shawn was doing? It was great seeing a, like a bunch of like those nuggets from back then. And now, like, I, I do have an interest. Like, I do want to go back. I do want to go on the network. I do want to watch some Raws. I, I want to watch Mr. Perfect versus Ric Flair now from Raw. Yeah, that's great. That. Like, I, yeah. Can't, I can't get behind. Like, if you're sitting there being like, I'm going to watch all the Raws from 1993. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, <laughs> if you want to watch it for fun, like, I'll watch it for nostalgia, like, as kind of a goof. But, I mean, you're not going to get Perfect versus Fl That's why I brought it up. Because you're not going to get perfect versus flair every week. Like that was kind of a that was that was what's known as an outlier. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be two years into raw. And, uh, like I'm gonna be 95. I'm gonna be Sam. I'm gonna text you, Sam. You screwed me over. <laughs> why you Why you do this to me? And I'm gonna text you back, going, Hot Dog acted very selfishly. Hot Dog <laughs> did not go through the time honored tradition of just watching the one episode I told him to watch. I have no sympathy. For hot dog, hot dog screwed hot dog. <laughs> yeah, I uh, uh, I, all those early in your houses are like the first in your house. Bret Hart wrestled twice. The first in your house, I mean, the main event is actually Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler, which is more like a, you know, a charactery match. But the first yeah. match of the first in your house, that's Bret Hart versus Hakushi. That's killer, that match. That match is killer. Hakushi? Hakushi. I don't even know who Hakushi is. You, well, you get, a, you get a boner for him now. He's, like, still doing stuff in New Japan. He, like, w went on to, to be pretty big in, in, in Japan, but he came out uh, as kind of, like, I think he was the original idea for the antithesis of The Undertaker. Like, they would 
try it years later with Mordecai and it just mm-hmm. and they would skip that whole oh. thing. Yeah. But like he was the he he came out in all white and he had a manager whose like face was painted all white and he had like Japanese characters written all over. I remember the first time I realized not all is not exactly what it appears to be. I went to a uh, a live event at the Westchester County Center. So this is not a Madison Square Garden live event. This is like a live mm-hmm. event in front of, you know, 2500 people maybe. Yeah. Right? And you know, it's a pretty small show and it's not, you know, nobody's got cell phone cameras, nobody's got video or anything. And Hakushi is in the match and like Hakushi's trademark was that he had Japanese lettering all covering his entire and, and little characters that covered his entire torso and his arms and his face. And it looked so badass. And they called it tattoos, of course. And I seen him at the Westchester County Center. Apparently he got tattoo removal <laughs> just for that one night because because he was backstage. You know, somebody was painting those Japanese characters on him every single night because he did not wear them for those smaller live events. But this is Westchester County Center. Uh, maybe we want to save on some ink. Right? Yeah. That's the, yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. Save that for MSG. Like he's not even main event. Like, I don't think we're going to. I don't think we're going to paint up the whole thing tonight. We'll show up right before showtime. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good stuff from back then, especially in that era where they're trying to figure out like that there was that new generation era where they're sort of getting away from like the way they always define it is that that's the era that they were getting away from big guys, but they really were slow to get away from big guys. Like they were 95, 96, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they had to Maybe start 94. in yeah, 93, 94, but realistically Hogan's around back for half of 93. And then the other half of 93 is Lex Luger. So, you know, 94 is that's when Bret Hart starts to ascend 95 is the beginning of Shawn Michaels' ascension. But you, I mean, you go back to the Bret, every Bret Hart match is good. Like, Bret Hart matches are not cheesy. I said on the show, like, the 93 SummerSlam match between Bret Hart and Doink is amazing. It's so athletic. It's so good. Because that, that sounds ridiculous to even say. Because everybody thinks about 95 Doink. Everybody thinks about the wrong <laughs> Doink. Everybody thinks about Doink with Dink. Everybody thinks about WrestleMania not- 10 Doink. I'm talking about 1993 Doink. This guy was a machine. You're talking about not Sam Hall of Famer. Doink from 93. Right. (laughs) Only. Yeah, he was incredible. Like, that's a guy you can watch on early episodes of Raw. If you're going to go back to watch early Raw shows, Doink was having good matches on early Raw shows. Like, he would get real wrestling out of Kamala and people like that. He He was legit. Matt Bourne, Doink the Clown, is amazing. That's a, that's it's small characters like that that you catch like Bastion Booger as well. I mean, not, I mean, I'm not saying Bastion Booger, you know, had he's killer great matches. I'm just saying interesting gimmick, interesting characters that I found out about that I was that are, that are ridiculous. Like, why would I care about this? But then I found myself you watching, you know, random Bastion Booger promos backstage and and uh, what's the um, the name of the character that was kind of an insp- inspiration for Bray Wyatt? Oh, uh, uh, Waylon Mercy. Yes, his promos were amazing. Waylon Mercy's I, great. You know what? Yeah. I wish I had covered more so you could be more familiar with his catalog. Was it was it long? Was it short? Uh, his stint? Uh, the Waylon Mercy you're talking about? Yeah, right, yeah. Waylon Mercy's was short because I think he had more injuries than he or other people even realized. So, like, 
Okay. He was never able to really do what I think he was capable of. Because, I mean, and that character is so dark. And, like, Max Cady, who he's yeah, based amazing. on, I mean, that it's such a great character to base something on. But the character that we didn't talk about on the show, really, that you might not be familiar with at all, Do you know? are you uh, familiar with Mantar? I'm very, very vaguely. Uh, I, was, it, was he a joke or was he supposed to be a serious character? He's not a joke. Uh, <laughs> this was like 90, what? 95? Yeah, 95. Okay, okay. M Mantar was half man, half beast. Yeah. <laughs> he was basically a, a, a centaur, a centaur. So he, was, he came before Rhino, the man beast. No, Rhino was a metaphorical man beast. Oh, okay. okay. Mantar was a literal half man, half, half man, beast. Half no, yeah. <laughs> Mantar was no. Mantar was very literal. Mantar would come to the ring with a with like a a giant bull's head on his head, like a, a mask a that looked like a beast, like a bull, like a like it looked like. Somebody could put it up on their wall. And he would come to the ring wearing that. And then he would take it off. And then he'd have horns painted. And they would like black paint would cover his eyes. And then they'd swoosh back to the back of his bald head. And apparently the whole reason that this happened. And it's funny because like Undertaker on Rogan. And he's told the story before. He might have told the story on one of the interviews that I did with him as well. Um, so I am. Yeah. So Rogan is kind of, you know, stealing stuff from my show but um yeah. joe rogan wrestling podcast yeah exactly i was actually yeah. thinking about that like i'm like i would listen to the joe rogan wrestling podcast <laughs> um but he uh he told the story of being in the meeting with uh vince mcmahon and vince asking him what his talents are and he said well i can sing in the shower and then he knew right it was a huge mistake and so he's like no i'm just kidding i can't sing no 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 right and he's right because apparently the story is that with mantar like they were figuring out what they wanted to do with this guy. And they noticed that like in the room, they noticed to them, his feet look like hooves. <laughs> <laughs> like he had these big feet that look like hooves, like his big legs and his feet. And so they were just like, well, why don't we just make him like man, like Mantar, the half man, half wait beast. A, wait a minute. I've got an idea. And, and I believe it because if you look at early Mantar, like the camera does do close-ups on his feet, and they're like, "Look at it! He's got hooves." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're you're just like, "Oh, this is really, this is really what they were going for," you know? I I I wish that there were cameras back then, like there are now at all times. Oh like yeah, just Vince, Vince just seeing a, a person and just coming up with an idea on the spot. Isn't that how Hardcore Holly also? became yeah hardcore party. holly was like i like to drive race cars and he's like all right you'd be oh, a race car a, driver what yeah. you drive oh huh? we don't have a race car driver yeah because quite literally whatever you do or whatever the first thing he sees that is your that is your life now i love that it's amazing yeah yeah like 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 the like in the keith lee uh 24 doc when keith lee makes his raw debut and just for a second and it's so cool to see this footage because you rarely see it but just you get like 10 seconds of Vince McMahon giving Keith Lee that pep talk in gorilla position. Yeah. And like Keith Lee says, like afterwards he wanted to like, you know, charge through a wall. He's just so inspired by it. Yeah. I would love to see that same speech, but given to Mantar, they're going to believe you're a beast. <laughs> you're going to snort and they're going to, Oh oh my God, I can't believe it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that because they went through like, and I actually think that Mantar, the criticism is fair. Because Mantar was positioned to be like, look at this big star we got. He's half man, half beast. 
Like he was not. They they went through this period in '96, like early to mid '96. This was like right before the Attitude Era. This is why the Attitude Era was so important. It might have been '95, where uh, they brought in a bunch of really, really stupid, wacky characters, and people like they they act like that's evidence that WWE was just in so much trouble. But I think that you need, I'm not saying that you can't win that argument, but I am saying that you need better evidence than that. Because the the group of characters that they brought in at that time, they brought in, and people are critical because it was like people who could actually work. It was like Tracy Smothers, and it was uh, this guy, Tony Anthony. Like it was all these guys who were working all over the place. And they were good in the ring, but they brought them in and gave them ridiculous gimmicks. But the reality is that they debuted a whole bunch of people all at once because the idea was that we want, enhancement talent that actually have gimmicks. Like they wanted to add credibility to enhancement talent. So these characters were never actually supposed to be big name on the marquee future world champion characters. They were just supposed to be enhancement talent guys with a lit, with a gimmick so that it meant something so that if, you know, if, if the British bulldog came in and just beat some random guy that you've never heard of, Okay, it was cool to see the British Bulldog, but if he came in and beat, you know, this this guy with a gimmick, we knew he was going to yeah. beat him, but at least they they thought that that, that that was something. They brought in so they brought in Tracy Smothers, but they named him Freddie Joe Floyd. And he was just a country boy named Freddie Joe Floyd. Um they brought in this like amateur wrestler named Alex Porto, but they call him Alex the Pug Porto. I don't know why they call him the Pug. It's like a little, cute little dog. I don't know. <laughs> Probably something Vince heard during the the meeting. We don't have a pug. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then uh they brought in uh Tom Brandy, but they named him Salvatore Sensire. But like what I understand being mad that people come in that are talented and you know are well traveled and all that stuff and then stuffing them up in a silly gimmick, but mm-hmm. I mean you could look at the Undertaker, it's a silly gimmick if you give it to anyone else and, and but it still works. Like, I don't think a silly gimmick, like you said, it should be the criticism for, oh, this is why this era was not as good. Okay, well, like, tell me this. Can... Tell me this, then. They brought in Tony Anthony, but they named him T.L. Hopper, and he was a plumber, and his butt crack showed. He could have he could have <laughs> won the championship. <laughs> you don't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it was his fault. He didn't make it work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, T.L. Hopper. And there was one other one that was just in my head. Uh... Freddie Joe Floyd, Salvatore Sincere, Alex the Pug Porto. Oh, this is the best one. Uh, I think Bill Irwin is who it was, who was brought in. And he was the goon. And the goon was a hockey player that was... I remember this. Yeah, he was kicked out of his hockey league for getting into too many fights. So he would come to the ring, and he would literally wrestle in a hockey jersey and hockey pants. And they had boots specifically made for him that looked like ice skates. So it didn't look like it had a full blade on the end, but the bottoms yeah. did kind of come down at an angle. So it looked like he was walking around in skates. So he would wrestle all of his matches in boots that look like hockey skates. I mean, I just think there is a place for all of that. And if you're like, eventually we're probably going to get back to that at some point. Like there, there is a place for like, Attitude era stuff. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, in a. In You're a, saying that I'm we need to get back to a place where we get T.L. Hopper and the goon back? That's your hot take? There is an, 
Well, my hot take is that there's there's a time for that kind of era in wrestling where everything is silly. Yeah, and, and... the past is the time <laughs> for that era. Yep, before. Whatever, whatever it is right now, the time for that era is before. Something that already okay. happened. Yeah, yeah. Not that's the future. No, 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 no. That's always something to look back upon. Okay, like, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 See, you know how people always say like you need to learn from your for, you need to learn from history so that you're not doomed to repeat it? I take that as a compliment. History repeats itself. No, that's not No, oh, you're, you're okay. supposed to learn. You're, you're, okay. <laughs> history repeats itself is a it, that's a that's a warning. That's a, it's oh. a, it's a warning. <laughs> if you don't learn from history, you'll be doomed to repeat it. Oh, no. I thought that I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, Sure, that's a oh. good thing. Wait till I tell you guys. I mean, you talk about being doomed to repeat it and making mistakes in history and everything. Once the episode airs on the WWE Network, there is one one piece that we oh, did. <laughs> and I promise you, I will probably do it on the YouTube show, but it, I will figure out a place where we will show the world the oh, version that aired on the network and the first version that Hot Dog sent me. Cause let me tell you something. If I, if I followed <laughs> the learn from history, or you'll be doomed to repeat it, there would be a, another producer for any other <laughs> not Sam projects because it is a disaster. But well, I mean, it was the uncensored version. Uh, I, 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 I it, it was it. it was the uncensored version of your egotistical brain, is what it was. <clears throat> Immediately, you texted me. You go like. What is this? <laughs> yeah, I was like, like I was laughing. It was like laughably. It was like something out of a sitcom. Like I was like, what, did you really do this? And you watched, you watched it going like, this looks like the, this looks like it. Here's the final product. Such good shit. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, bro, you got a lot of work to do. I literally texted you back. Isn't this what? We wanted. I, I, could, I could feel in your text messages the blood rushing to your face, like the hotness yeah. taking <laughs> like oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't close. I was extremely I was completely off. far off from what you wanted. Way off. We'll we'll talk more about that in the days as they follow, because I don't want to spoil anything before the uh network uh, finale airs on Thursday. Um but also this week, Hot Dog, you don't have to be the, the biggest wrestling fan in the world. Not that you aren't, but you don't have to be the most historically knowledgeable, I guess, wrestling fan in the world uh, to be excited about the Royal Rumble. You know, mm -hmm, does it right? feel like at the time of this recording, this show will come out the Monday before Raw? I feel like a lot's got to happen this week on Raw and SmackDown. And I was talking about this earlier because I don't feel like the Royal Rumble is this weekend. What do you feel it's, like? I feel like this is, um, and maybe I kind of felt like this last year. I'm not too sure, but this is like more than ever. I have no idea who is going to win it. Usually you kind of know. Usually you have like, okay, one of these four guys is going to win it. Yeah. This year I'm like, I have no idea what they're going with. And I, I'm kind of very intrigued by that. Yeah. I mean, last year I think... Did he gonna get a vibe that McIntyre Yeah, I think that there was there was like a lot of possibilities. Yeah. But I, I, I think first of all, when Brock was in it, there was always and that's what makes Brock such a great character, there was always this possibility 
that he was just going to eliminate everybody and win. Like you know, like right. that's a real thing going in. You know, that's why people were so happy when he got eliminated. That's why people were holding their breath. Like I know I wasn't the only one when when Ray and Kofi and Ricochet, Ricochet all got together. And before that, when Ray and I think it was Ricochet, it was three guys that Brock had humiliated and beaten. And they all got together. Maybe it was Big E. I don't I don't know. But they all got together and I was like, oh, this is how they're gonna eliminate Brock. And then he just eliminated all of them. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. I know that Kofi was definitely one of them. Ray, I mean, Brock Lesnar was dragging, throwing Ray around all over the place the last six months before that. So I know he was in it. Yeah. Yeah. And he and I mean, he obliterated Ricochet right before. I think it was right yeah. before the Rumble, right? Wasn't Ricochet's title shot before the Rumble last year? No, it was... Um, or was it right it was after? Saturday, I think it was right after. I think oh, okay. the, what led to that was the fact that Ricochet low-blowed him. Oh, and he was like, okay, you want to hit me in the dick? We're going to go and, yeah. and I'm going to fly across the world to just destroy you. And he did. Yeah. And, he, and he definitely, uh, he definitely, he definitely yeah. did. Yeah, I, but I think that, I think it was either going to, I, I think it was either going to be Drew... Like, but it was one of those things where you wanted it to be Drew, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be Drew. If we know anything from the Rumble, we know that sometimes we're not going to get what we want. But yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. You know, I, mean, I, I feel like they did they did two back to back years of people absolutely hating who the Royal Rumble winner was, and then after that, it's just been fan favorites. Well, yeah, I mean, they went back to Philly and they gave us Nakamura, and it was like, right. yeah, it was like, Not okay, the... you you do love us, yeah. When they went back to Philly. And everybody was like, I'm so scared. It's going to be like Roman or whoever that year. I don't remember. Like Cena and Ronda Rousey is what everybody thought it was going to be or something. And then it was Asuka and Nock. Everybody was like, you do love us. WWE, <laughs> you do love us. Like they, they always throw you one. Just when you're ready to give up on them. This is a one-sided relationship. This is toxic. This is bad for me. They're like, oh, no, we love you. And it's like, oh. You do. Don't say we don't ever do anything for you. All right, I'll stay. All right, I'll stay. <laughs> but like, do you have any guesses for? Are, are you going to take any guesses for this year? Do you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I still favorites? think I still think Daniel Bryan is a big possibility. You know, I mean, he's done the the job the last like several weeks on SmackDown. You know, he's you know putting over Cesaro and putting over Nakamura and you know everybody. That's I don't. That's why I don't think it's Bryan anymore. Well, I feel like. I think there's a big possibility that that could be a red herring, number one, to yeah. make you think that his momentum has died down. And number two, because other people will say differently, but the fact is that WrestleMania is still a ways off. And if Daniel Bryan wins the Royal Rumble on Sunday, nobody's going to be sitting there when we get to WrestleMania going, yeah, but remember when he lost to Cesaro at the beginning of January? Like, nobody's going to yeah. be doing that. They say that now. Like, I've heard podcasts do that now. Like, well, if you're building him to WrestleMania, don't have him lose to Cesaro. And it's like, <laughs> nobody's going to care. Like, Cesaro's better for it because, like, you're just, it's just momentum, right? You're not going to remember how Cesaro's momentum started, but Cesaro's better off for it. And yeah. he if can go. You learned the last couple of years from, like, Becky Lynch and Bailey and and even Sasha is all you need. You just need one hot angle. Yeah, that's why you know? I hate it. I hate it when people uh, come up with these like 
thing, oh, they're ruining this person or this person, they, they destroyed him because he lost that. Like, it takes a series of events, generally speaking, to ruin a character. Characters are ruinable, but it yeah. does take a series of events to get them past the point. Like, look, they spent years pushing Roman down our throats to the point where people were booing him even though he was the top good guy. And all Roman had to do was find his niche. Because since August, he's been the best thing on wrestling television anywhere. He's been one of the best things on television in general. Roman has not had one dud of a segment. And Paul Heyman helps, and the and and the Usos have helped, and everybody. Kevin change, Owens has been great. The but, change of demeanor, just uh, like the, the, the the coolness he's oozing out, and just the calm, and you know, bro, I can mess up your shit. I'm looking at my Roman Reigns figure that's in the shelf right now on display, and he's smiling and got like a well quaffed like goatee. That's and not the head of the table. I'm like, I don't want this figure anymore. I'm wait, and then I saw they revealed this week. They're putting out a Roman figure that comes with an alternative head and it has his hair in a bun and he's not smiling. And I'm like, nice. Yes. <laughs> yes. And he comes, he does, the figure comes with a vest, but it's removable. And it also comes with a t shirt. And I'm like, I'm going to throw that vest in the garbage. And mm. now, now he's the top guy they wanted. I mean, I mean, you know, the, uh, he's a heel and, you know, we have, you know, kind of boo and all that. But now it's like, uh, this is the potential that he had in him the entire time. It'll be interesting, though. What'll be really, really interesting about WrestleMania is that it'll be the first WWE show with fans. They've already said they're going to sell tickets. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many fans will be there, but it'll be the first show with fans. And I mean, and and it's going to make a difference. Like, it was, it was cool watching UFC over the weekend, and there were fans in that building. And I was like, yeah, this is, it, it feels better. I like this better. If I'm going to watch a Conor McGregor fight, I like that there are some fans in this building reacting. If Conor McGregor's going to lose like that, I like to see fan hear fans reacting to what I'm seeing. To go like, oh my god, like you know, as good as those commentators are, DC's amazing. They're they're play by play guys, unbelievable in UFC. But uh, you need that soundtrack. It's so great, and so yeah. it'll be really interesting to hear how fans are reacting to stuff like. Will Roman get booed? You know, will 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 the soundtrack of the fans at WrestleMania match the soundtrack of the fans in the Thunderdome? Right? Honestly, yeah. As good as a heel as you can be, be seeing like wrestling live again for the first time, having a crowd, I, I think it's gonna be really, really hard to boo anybody. Like everybody just every single thing that happens, you're just like I'm just happy to see it. Yes. Plus, and WrestleMania is two nights, so you're not even going to be tired. Like, it's going to be three and a half hours, and you're going to be like, I don't want to go home. This is great. (laughs) I'm outside my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're probably right. But you also might have fun. Like, to that point, it might actually be better for them in terms of people cooperating with the Thunderdome. Because you might not even, you might just be cheering and booing based on what you've seen on TV just because you're having so much fun. Like, you know, like yeah. NXT crowds have done that historically at takeovers. Like, Champa, during the Gargano Champa rivalry, the only reason Champa was getting booed was because NXT fans took it upon themselves as that's my role is to they boo. Their part, right, right, yeah. right. Like, nobody actually was sad to see Tommaso Champa. They were like, he's the effing man. 
but they were like, let me boo him because we were told that's to. His job. Yeah. That's and, his job and, and that's our job. Right. Like we get a good product. So we will, we will react accordingly. So <laughs> will fans be so happy to be live that they'll just cheer and boo who they're supposed to? Or do you need to tell a story? You know, I think with Roman specifically, if you want that guy to get booed because he's been so good and because we've been waiting for this Roman for so long, you need to have an opponent that you really want to beat Roman. Like if it were Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns, for example, nobody's going to boo Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is the man. Like everybody's going to yeah. cheer Kevin Owens. But I don't think you're going to boo Roman Reigns against Kevin Owens. I think that's an that's an example where I feel like you're going to cheer Kevin Owens and you're going to cheer Roman Reigns because as much as you love Kevin Owens, you're not sitting there going like, why isn't he the champion? You're like, he's been the champion. He'll probably get the championship again at some point. Like, he, like Kevin Owens is the man, and I'm happy with, with how he's used on TV. If it's somebody like, I think you could tell a story, especially after that gauntlet match. If it were Roman yeah. versus Shinsuke. Yes, that's what I want. That's my pick to win the Rumble. Woo! I mean, it's a hot, it's a hot pick. But you could tell a story where people are cheering Shinsuke and booing Roman Reigns. I think Daniel uh, Bryan, you yeah. could tell the same thing. But Daniel Bryan, you probably need to do more work just because, he, you know, J-O-B's out all the time. Um, yeah. But Shinsuke, you'd and have feel, to... And, we, and we've seen and we've seen Roman and Bryan not too many times, but we've seen it before. We've seen it. We have I, seen I, it before. Have we seen Nakamura Reigns, like, the highlighted to a certain extent? When, WWE? I don't think so. Not right? on certainly not on this level, right? Like certainly not on WrestleMania yeah. main event level. And that's the type of thing where like Roman is such a beast that this is where we finally see the king of strong style again. Like, you know, yeah. this is where we finally see a Nakamura who it's like, oh, he's beating him up for real. Like Shinsuke Nakamura is not playing around. Yeah, I think that I think I think there is as as much as a few weeks ago, you'd be like, that's insane. Like, of course, that's not going to happen. And I said, I mean, night. I, I said after night. the gauntlet match, I was like, if you're not careful, you're going to start Nakamania. This is exactly, I mean, <laughs> Kofi Mania started, uh, there was obviously a groundswell of support under Kofi for years because Kofi's the man, like, and, you know, people, know. Were st people were still upset about 2009 don't, and what happened. Don't forget, I called it, I called it first. <clears throat> Bro, I, I feel like three years in a row you said Kofi's going to win the Royal Rumble. Like, you're <laughs> no. just uh, – being a Kofi stan is not the same as being a, somebody who can who can predict <laughs> wrestling. Like, you just love your – you just love you some Kofi. That's all. This, this is the year Kofi's going to win it. <laughs> He's got it this year. <laughs> I've been saying that since 2008 Dude. when he started doing his wild eliminations. How great would it be? If Kofi won the Royal Rumble and came over to SmackDown and challenged Roman, that mean I mean I I'd vote, I'd vote for that. That'd be great. So I can I can never have enough Kofi Kingston. Me neither. In the main event scene. And that's singularly in a bubble, that would be fire, fire, fire. Like Kofi, mm -hmm. and then like Kofi wins the title from Roman, and then Brock comes out to be like, guess what? I'm gonna beat you in 30 seconds again, mm -hmm. and now you can re no. but. But you can retell this story and Paul Heyman knows and everything. There's just a lot there. Like, it could be amazing. However, if you were to do that, I do believe that it would uh, it would take the wind out of Big E's sails. 
yes, because he's the one being he's the one being highlighted right now. Right. Kofi had his time, Biggie's time now. You don't want to have Kofi in the main event. And yeah. There is a version of the Royal Rumble where Big E wins. I mean, he's the intercontinental. He's the intercontinental yeah. champion, so it's kind of a stretch. And but, like, again, like you have to remember too. It's not like we have to figure out like, okay, there's SmackDown this week, and then there's the Royal Rumble, and then there's SmackDown, and then there's WrestleMania. You have all of February and all of March to tell a story following whoever wins the Royal Rumble. So mm-hmm. theoretically. You could have Apollo Crews win the Intercontinental Championship because that's not so far-fetched, especially, especially, I I mean, imagine, okay, all right, all right, I'm going to hit you with something. Put your imagine hat on. Okay. Apollo Crews has been teasing being a Paul Heyman guy, right? Mm-hmm. So he wins the Intercontinental title. With Paul Heyman's help. Right. Big E's furious. This happens on Friday. This coming Friday. Apollo gets a rematch. Wins the Intercontinental Championship. On Sunday, Big E wins the Royal Rumble. Next Friday, we go to SmackDown. And Apollo looks at Paul Heyman and he's like, I want revenge. I want your guy. And then Apollo Crews steps up and he goes, no, no, no. Not you. I won the Royal Rumble, and that's my pick right behind you. And now we're going to now forget about the Intercontinental title. We got it, you know, organically. We got it off of Big E, and he's going to be able he, – he is now getting that victory back, not against Apollo. Apollo can go do his own thing over here. Now Big E's focused on Roman Reigns. And because Paul Heyman helped Apollo Crews win, and Roman Reigns is a Paul Heyman guy – we can go and and do Big E versus Roman Reigns. That sounds terrific. I I would prefer that. The the reason why I don't want Daniel as much as I love Daniel Bryan to you know to be in a main event and you know win the Rumble in general. I like the idea of it. I don't want it this year because I feel like this year should be a moment for someone to step up to the plate and you know right a new challenger. Right. It should be like. I mean, Nakamura had a brief run of me, but it could be him. It could be Big E. It should be someone new right. stepping and, up to Roman Reigns. Yeah, and to be fair, I would have to agree with you. I would object with your Nakamura take because he's been around for a while. But realistically, Nakamura, his one shot in the main event, he turned heel at the end. And that yeah. technically, that one kick to AJ Styles' balls took him down the road that he was on the day before the gauntlet match. Mm-hmm. So technically he didn't have that spotlight. He he didn't have that moment. And it was babyface versus babyface. That's a little different than the conquering good guy coming to take out the villain in Roman Reigns. So I think Nakamura does fit your mold as yeah, a, a new guy in the a new good guy in the main event scene. And quite frankly, SmackDown needs it. I mean when you look and and that's not just because of the SmackDown roster. That's because of how big Roman got right away. Like, SmackDown has the most powerful heel in professional wrestling by a lot. Right. On on Raw, you got, who's the guy? It's Drew McIntyre. And, okay, who's the who's the main heel, I guess? 
Randy, you can say Randy or, you know, Bray Wyatt, whoever. Yeah, you got Randy, you got Bray, you could turn Keith, Sheamus, whatever. there's plenty of options, yeah. And they're in the, they're on the same level, yes. those two. Yes, But in SmackDown, it's, it's Roman Reigns on top, and then there's a gap. And then everybody else. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I think Big E rising, I think Nakamura rising. Who else could step up to the plate? Obviously, Kevin Owens has stepped up in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's insulting, but like it, Owens feels like it's a, a transitional thing, you know, like as as good as he is. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I think it's just Owens is in the main event right now. Yeah, like Owens is the main event person that's going to lead us to whatever story we get told at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, you know, and maybe. Maybe there's one more Roman Reigns Kevin Owens match at uh, the Elimination Chamber pay per view. Who knows? Or maybe a Raw guy wins the Royal Rumble. Like that's not so crazy. Like a Raw guy wins the Royal Rumble, and then you have to do an Elimination Chamber match to determine the SmackDown champion. Like that's what we're not. It could be a, a Raw guy that goes and wins. Like it, Randy Orton could win the Royal Rumble. The Fiend could win the Royal Rumble. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I don't think anybody sees that coming. If the Fiend were to show up in the Rumble, I don't and win. Maybe big. I mean, it could be a raw guy, but I think if it's a raw guy, whoever it is, it's going to be against Reigns. That's kind of what I think. Oh, this so you, the, you think even if a raw guy wins, he's coming over to SmackDown. It's just it's going to be Reigns. Yeah, yeah. So how do we determine Drew's challenger? Elimination Chamber. It it could be, but it's just the fact that it's much easier to find a challenger for Drew because there are there are people oh. that could step up. I see what you're saying. So you think that Roman's challenger is the one that's going to be declared in the Rumble because Roman's challenger needs the establishment. Yeah. Right. The Royal Rumble match gives you. Anyone else on Raw can win the chamber or or tournament or whatever it is and take on Drew McIntyre. I see what you're saying. I see. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is, that is fair. I think there's still a version where, I mean, dude, SmackDown has been telling so many crazy ass stories that like you didn't see coming. Like just the fact that they created a credible main eventer in Nakamura in one match. Just the fact that you've got Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce now and his <laughs> wrestling uh, background being talked about on TV. Like there's so much going on on SmackDown that I don't, I don't, you know, rule out the possibility of somebody from Raw winning to take on Drew McIntyre and just some elaborate story being told on SmackDown over the next two yeah. months, you know, because SmackDown, that's, that's what they've been doing. Yeah, they could definitely, you know, throw something up in the next month and just get us all riled up and ready for the main event. What's your favorite Royal Rumble match? Uh, I think I mentioned this on the show. I, it's it's hard for me because I, I I've seen maybe the last, 10 years, uh, no, 15 years worth. I haven't seen anything like 90 to like 2000, but I'm going to go. My favorite is probably the one in Philly that Nakamura won just because I love, I love the ending of it. I loved how it was, you know, like the new, like it was Nakamura, it was Reigns, it was Cena, Finn Balor, uh, Randy there. It just felt like a changing of the guard kind of just to see him win was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. And, and, and and that that moment, you know that that sort of it, it was just such a cool moment where people people didn't up until the final two, people did not think it was going to happen. And last year's was really really good too. Last they year's was really amazing. 
Yeah. Yeah. The whole Brock Lesnar just one by one by one, just, just doing his own thing, and then Edge coming back, and then the the final four. I I think that's great too. I think they had a slump maybe like ten years ago when it came to Rumbles, where it's like okay, whatever. But now they really stepped it up a notch. So the recent ones are my favorites, to be honest. Edge could win the Royal Rumble this year. Wow, that's a good point. Yeah. Edge could win. Randy Orton could get the title from Drew, and that could be your main event at WrestleMania. Yeah. I prefer if it wasn't. I I do still want Drew to stay champion. I feel like there's still a lot he can do. But How fire yeah, would it be if Edge won the Royal Rumble and then he challenged Roman? Spear versus Spear again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do it again. I love it. I love Spears. Let's do it. More Spears. And then throw Goldberg in there. Triple threat. Triple threat. Match. Yeah. Only Spears. First Spear wins. <laughs> uh, well, Hot Dog, uh, it's always good chatting wrestling with you. Of course, uh, Hot Dog is my producer over on, not exactly, I'm the executive producer, but Hot Dog is the, is, is my producer over on. I think it's going to be kind of tough. <laughs> Might be a little tough. I mean, I don't know who's making those calls, but um, you can uh, watch the show. We've got uh, the first 14 episodes are up on the free version of the WWE Network right now. So you can check out all of those. And then this Thursday, if you're uh, listening to this on time, if you're not, if this is a week old, then the 15th episode is already up. But for the season finale, uh, we're dropping a 90-minute jam-packed special. And when I say it's a 90-minute show, it's we basically did two episodes and then condensed it into 90 minutes. I mean, there's a this is there's a lot of content. I'm very proud of the show because I feel like there's a lot of content on every episode. Like there's not fluff. Uh, but this, this one more than most. Yeah. Yeah, this is packed. There's so yeah. much stuff in this final episode. So I'm excited for you guys to see it. Hot dog. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. And we'll, uh, we'll see y'all later. Let me, uh, let me hit this. Thanks for listening. Follow at not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been not Sam Wrestling. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50 plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358.